Should old acquaintance be forgotten? Eric, you promised us that your resolution would be you wouldn't sing to us anymore. He's clearly had a few too much of the uh, Chardonnays. Take the black. We wanted to welcome all of you to 2015. Welcome to 2015. It's our first episode in 2015. But. But. It may have been recorded in the year 2014. Yes. Oh, guys, you're giving up. The, the jig is up. So we wanted to... to pop in and say hello before we started the actual episode um yes celebrations carried us to different parts of the land we are podcasting from the future <laughs> we 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 started in king's landing and we woke up in pentos yeah not too far but far explain enough explain that we don't know how <laughs> yeah lots of dornish wine and then we ended up on a party boat as uh pleasure barge, <laughs> pleasure barge in blackwater <laughs> and pleasure barge zach uh, told uh the truth we uh, woke up in pentos with no pants. Yeah, pantos. Pantos. No pantos, Lone. So um, you're probably about to hear our music start soon. We wanted to usher you into a new year of our podcast and say thank you for an amazing 2014 and enjoy our first episode of the year. Yeah. This year's going to be so good, guys. I look forward to it. Tell awesome. your father I'm here. He's here. In 2015. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Bones, everyone. How was your holiday? We're getting right to business. We're right on it today. I feel like I'm still knee deep in the holiday because we still got New Year coming around, and my Christmas. I didn't. I didn't. Have, I didn't get a single Christmas present on Christmas. I didn't open no. a fucking thing. No, it's true. So you still have presents yet to come. No, my presents came in the form of experiences, which I will be enjoying oh. over the next oh. several weeks. Mm. Mm. A little horse vacation. Mm. I'm going to this lodge tomorrow. In the that's, oh yeah, you are. It's like yeah, you know. Um, it's out of the, there's a waterfall <laughs> like sixty or seventy oh, miles nice. east of here, and they put a lodge mm. right next to this waterfall, and you can go and like get massages and hang out in hot tubs and look at the waterfall and it being cold and beautiful and um, have like four course dinner and breakfast. So that was my boyfriend. Watch present. out for those hot tubs, Kate. Some of those are uh, time machines. Oh. So I've heard. Yeah, I'm hoping. Cross my fingers. God, I'm going to try every single one. <laughs> Kate, Kate's uh, posted. We've been we've been hanging out on Skype. It's uh, after Christmas and after the holidays for us. And we're still kind of like bringing it out. And it's not quite the new year. Yet, so we're we're hanging out, we're talking to Skype. We're like, oh, it's time about time to record the episode. This is so fun. I spilt my tea, normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she drops this photograph into Skype because we were looking at photographs and mm-hmm. we tweeted it earlier. Uh, so if you're listening and you've seen the picture of the White Walker in Daenerys Targaryen's toy box, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing it. This is uh, this is the new. We decided this is the new Rollerblades, at least for yes. the very end of 2014. It's part of the special Walmart collector's edition. Which I didn't even know existed. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, Daenerys looks great. She's, like, she's aged good. a couple of years. Yeah. She needs a bra, though, I think. She's keeping it, she's I don't know, she's keeping it tight. You know, she's keeping it tight. Hey, did you guys, did you guys have a good Christmas slash Hanukkah? Are you having, mm. are you having a good time? Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Did you get any cool Game of Thrones presents? Um, I think every last one of you tweeted the stupid Game of Thrones ornament. By the way, I'm like, we did, <laughs> did we? I didn't tweet it. I did not tweet it. I I sent a message to you guys. When oh, we were you putting did. The tree up. Way back, yeah, a couple weeks text, ago. It was the text when we were putting the tree up, and I couldn't find that image later when I wanted to tweet it because I saw that Zach had tweeted it. It was great to uh, we received those from our our friend Jose who um, took the time to make them. Yeah, 
Yep. They're pretty sweet. Which she didn't have to do. And Eric's got like a whole, you got seriously like a whole ammo case full of them. I got a, no, they they came with four and I think. Um, four? They're not all List Game of out Bones. which ones you have. I have a MuggleNet no, no, no. one as well. Yeah, it's MuggleNet, MuggleCast, uh, Game of Bones, and Hufflepuff. I did not get a MuggleCast one. They they came and it was very, very generous of our friend Jose to take the time to make those. If you haven't noticed, we're still reeling from uh, all of our courses of buttered bread, right, Kate? <laughs> buttered <laughs> bread? Yeah. <laughs> is this it? Sounds like that's code well, for no, something. We, it, does. it does. She had buttered bread when she was in France, didn't yeah, you? That's a callback is what it was. Yeah, throwback. I have buttered bread nearly every day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I had a so, but uh, I've yet to reel from it. One thing I did notice, though, is that uh, a lot of our listeners uh, tweeted or posted on our Facebook wall mm. of gifts that they received uh, during the holiday season f- uh, that were Game of Thrones themed, mm-hmm. but also gifts that uh, Zach sent out. Apparently, you caused quite a, a mess with some confetti <laughs> that you packed. Yes! Some confetti is still coming out of people's <laughs> carpets. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was it the Lady Ash who was like, thanks, I'm still it wasn't just like carpet. still picking confetti <laughs> yeah. up three weeks later. Yes. Someone complained that they, uh, well, not complained, but jokingly said that they are, you know, they have to be careful where they walk still around that their they home were stepping because on they're it. stepping on it. <laughs> that made me really happy. I was, I was, I was glad that so many of them got to go out around Christmas time. And I don't know when, when, whenever I'm sending mail or doing stuff like that, I always feel like it's just let's make it, let's make it, let's make it so fun. Let's put some more love into it. So, so TLC. you surprise people with confetti. Well, I just, gifts. I always wonder what it would be like if I opened up a gift or anything from something, and when I did, it just was like, yeah, yeah, day celebrated brighter. Exactly. So yeah, um, we're really glad. First off, that you guys participated in our Thank You Game of Thrones giveaway, and I think that officially everyone has gotten their stuff and uh my place is considerably emptier so yeah cool i hope you guys enjoyed all that i still have a lot of it left over uh confetti and stuff i'm thinking about just decorating my desk area with it you know what other place is a little bit emptier this week what is it river run oh look at that hey. i was looking for a transition for the last like five minutes finally <laughs> found one back to lord hoster tully's departure down the river yeah river of name I would have to look at my maps for that. The Tanglewood? The Tangle something. Is Tangle something. Yeah. Tumblestone? Tumblestone. Tumble. Tumblestone. Tumbles. Correct. Tumble. Correct. It's the river that from which the uh, Tullys divine their power or gain gain their strength. It seems it seems to be implied that this is the river on which the Tullys depart for battle and whatever. Like they sail, they sail away down the river. Catelyn makes reference to standing on the battlement and waiting and watching as she's waited and watched so many times before i was just like what did she see a lot of people die like a lot of people sent off this way it's kind of a unique way to send somebody off in a way that's like a viking uh, the viking funeral it's perfect yeah. for, for people who who live on the water the way that the tullys do clearly clearly the river is very important to them they've got the the fish all over their shit. So. Yes. <laughs> the fish is all over their shit. I, I forget the exact quote that Catelyn used, but she was basically, what did she say? She says at one point, like, the schools of fish are their last lieutenants or their last... I know. That was so beautiful. Like, she, had a, yeah. she had a lot of, like, sad poetry in this chapter. It was like, in the watery halls where the Tullys held eternal court with schools of fish, <laughs> their last mm. attendants. It's evident that there are more than the few houses that we are centered around. And that's very obvious, but chapters like this do a great job of giving us like a swift reminder. The people that this house alone commands that, you know, like there's the phrase that are, 
that are coming to pay their condolences to this family. This is this is just part of you know, those wars happening. But Lord Hoster Tully has died, and the phrase need to send people to to say goodbye. I thought it was interesting when they pointed out the difference between the phrase loyalty to River Run versus their disloyalty now to the King of the North. They they're still they've abandoned him as the King of the North. They're not into him, but they're still the most powerful bannermen of the Tullys. So they're still like paying, paying their respects to Hoster, even though um, they, they don't care much for Rob. It kind of gives the perfect uh, reason, the perfect subterfuge for the Tully or for the phrase to be there uh, to deliver the little bit of news that they do at the end of the chapter um, and kind of manipulate things the way that uh, is seen to happen in this chapter. This chapter is really amazing and mostly because of the phrase, to be honest. You know, I do want to say it's it's a bit biting. I found it to be a bit biting that uh, Lord Hoster didn't, in fact, mention his son at all on his deathbed, the way that Catelyn told Edmure that he did. Instead, his last words were, as usual, Tansy. And, you know, now that we met a woman named Tansy, a little bit, little ways away, and I don't think we're going to see her anymore because I think Arya has moved on. Um, it's just like, it, it. for me, it just feels, I, I want to know more about this subplot, but it just seems to have gone away. For- I think in time, all answers are given. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It's, it's, like, it's like, oh, Pop out. he said Tansy, and we were just with Tansy. And it's just like, this sucks. Hardcore, man. Micah this has is... been, this, much like George R. R. Martin does, and this, some of our listeners commented on this at our last live show when we were having lunch with them. Like, George R. R. Martin sets up all of these long story threads to eventually come to conclusion. Micah has been, since we've thought about making the podcast, deliberating and planning about things that are yet to happen, just like, ha, 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 yeah. due time. All like Daenerys, when we were talking about. <laughs> about uh, before the show started. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, a quick update. Right now we have uh, 23 retweets and 29 favorites. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. That's it's so cool really how quick. stuff like that just jumps off. And uh, Right. Well, Eric, you mentioned Tansy. Uh, that was an Aria chapter, right? Yeah, Where yeah. We... She was uh, what headmistress or whatever it is. At the... <laughs> headmistress. Tabernacle. But actually, she was divergent. in a more recent <laughs> chapter, a more recent chapter, a Sam chapter that we read last week, um, Tansy is actually mentioned as being brought along in um, the stores that uh, Maester Eamon has sent them north with, and it's mentioned as one of the things that they no longer have. So clearly, um, Tansy could be a person. Tansy could also be uh, something else. So huh. uh, we will we'll find out. It's not like you're not going to no, find out. No, I know, out. but it's it's just funny because it's like super cruel because now we've met somebody named Tansy, but the mystery stops there. It's like, we're not going to find out until it's picked up again. Right. You don't want to go down that road and, and spoil because there's plot points that are to be unraveled that maybe, uh, you know, they didn't make it to the TV show. So I want you guys to experience it the same way that, that I did and, and not be spoiled. That's noble. Isn't it? It is. That said, having at least what happens in the show to inform the read of this chapter does make this chapter more exciting, I feel. Um, you get these moments, like with Rob and Catelyn talking about how, you know, his and Jane's heads are possibly wanted by the Ironborn at this point, and they're fearing, and there's this, you know, this great inflection between Rob and Catelyn. Uh, and reflection, they're talking about himself and his life and his king, his kinghood, whether or not he's vulnerable. Just knowing what's going to happen and, and watching every word that Walder uh, or you know the the uh, the lame Frey 
uh, says is 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 really informed by what ends up happening, and I just think it makes it really a heck of a lot more exciting because you know they're being manipulated. Yes, it's yet another Catalan chapter that is just brimming with happiness and <laughs> singing yeah. birds and rainbows, and uh, not only is she dealing with the death of her father. Um, she's constantly reminded in this chapter that she's lost her husband. She's lost two of her sons. She's lost Ari. She's really lost everybody with the exception mm-hmm. of Rob. And there's that moment between the two of them towards the end of the chapter where, um, you know, they're talking about the fact that, uh, Sansa has wed Tyrion and w- yeah. in the hopes that should Rob die, um, that a Winterfell would then, uh, fall to Sansa and then through Sansa to Tyrion and, and the Lannisters. So, um, and Catelyn has one of those motherly moments where she can't even imagine uh, losing Rob after all that she's lost already. And so you have all of these emotions running high in this chapter. And on top of that, they have to deal with the Freys, uh, who have been sent here. As you mentioned, um, you know, they, they do pay their respects uh, to Lord Hostetoli. Yeah, but also to bring the terms to which Rob uh, has, uh, you know, he sent his terms uh, to Walter Frey, and and these two are now returning, and uh, you know, Edmure, of course, uh, is not liking what he's seeing. He even says he sends a cripple and a bastard to treat mm-hmm. with us. Tell me, there is no insult meant by that, and of course, there's insult meant by that. Yeah, not only to course. treat, but to attend the funeral of the late Lord Hoster Tully. It's just. They see right. this as disrespect. Oh, of course. It, it's extremely disrespectful that you would send these two as representatives of your family um, to basically uh, honor your late liege lord. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it just shows you the type of person that um, Walder Frey is. And I think overall, though, with this chapter, you're led into a, a very false sense of security uh, because even though we've seen Walder Frey take shots – by doing things like this at Rob and at uh, Catalan, let's say, uh, you're still led to believe that when Edmure decides that he is going to marry uh, Rosalind, that everything is good. You know, everything is going to move forward and that Rob has at least saved face with, with Walder Frey. More or less. Yeah. I mean, Lothar really paints it thickly uh all of this he's jovial you know in nature he's good nature he's not he's the very uh opposite of a man who would be sent by somebody who's going to murder you the next time he sees you face to face so it's it's a very good trick i think that's played and this uh lame lothar with his twisted leg since birth has clearly evolved much in the way that we see or in the same along the same lines of people like uh Varys, who have you know suffered a misfortune in their youth, uh, but have clearly grown to become master manipulators, and it's it's really smart. Even though Walder Frey sent this cripple uh, to do his bidding or whatever, this cripple is really, really mm-hmm. smart and really tactful, really um, manipulative. As I said before, he's like his father. Well, his father is is even more petty. I think, you know, it's just like, like Lothar has this uh, sense of duty to impress. That's the other thing is like for as crappy as Walder Frey is, all of his people, you know, his family want to serve and impress him. You know, Lothar is doing that very, very, very well. This is clearly for people who've seen it, you know, it's a trap, but Lothar is is painting it in such a way and giving him the right amount of details. Like when he tells him about Winterfell being burned, he's showing them 
enemies that that either aren't really there or are there, but he's not giving them the full picture. Like it, it's so fun to see Catelyn and Rob lulled into, as Micah said, a, a false sense of security in this chapter. Um, because like Catelyn just hopes that like all these uh, petty shots are it. She just hopes that Walder's done. Is like, oh, he sent a cripple to to meet with us. Okay, great. Uh, let that be all he does. Then I think it's kind of a red flag that that these shots and the shots that continue within the conversation here to the face of the king mm-hmm. are even happening. It's just I don't know. I feel like these guys are. It's it's so interesting because they're they're tactfully sound in, in many different ways, but yet their pride is so strong. They're able to pull off so many, so many deeds, and they later pull off what they pull off um, at the red wedding, which is, I mean, for for what it is on their side, pretty astounding of an accomplishment. Um, and I guess they could be lauded in their own circles for what they were able to do, however dishonorable it was. But I just feel like it's a dead giveaway the, the way the way that they're acting. It's just like, guys, like, are <laughs> we? I realize that you're upset, but and that I guess we're going to be on good terms. But is everything okay? Because. Lothar, you've been just feeding me a line of just constant bullshit since you got here. Yeah, Walder's demands are just that. They're just at, like at exactly as annoying as they have to be right. to keep to keep up the ruse, to keep it believable. It's like, oh, you have to apologize, but I won't take a raven. You have to come do it, you know, to my face. And it's it's something like that, which is like would seem really petty, but is super important to Walder Frey's plan, as we know. But it's just like it's also believable because Rob broke his promise that he would demand something like this. And the fact that Edmure has to wed uh, this daughter, this Rosalind, uh, sight unseen, you know, is like just another one of those, oh, I'm going to get you kind of things that Walder Frey has seen. But ultimately, I think everybody's failure is that they see Walder Frey as pathetic and, you know, he there's all these names about him and he, he does take these pot shots and he's very prideful. It's said like three or four times in this chapter how prideful Walder Frey is, but they they think that that is it. They underestimate him, and you know they underestimate this uh, cripple. I think, and uh, it's it's really just they 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 have to walk into this trap. Ultimately, this is the trap that has been laid out for them, so that the rest of the books and the series can proceed. So, I guess if anything, his pride is is shading so much of his malice in this yeah. situation, and lots That's of his a good intent. Point. If you were to not take Walder Frey as seriously as you should, then. He may be able to get away with some things. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, it it's definitely all there under the uh, under the words, so to speak, right. as you mentioned. Uh, There's so many layers to it. it. There is, but I, I think that it, it was certainly intentional of him to bring up the fact that Winterfell has burned to the ground. Uh, yes. The way he did it, it was just uh, like the whole, I've been here for a while, we went to the funeral, Lord Edmure now missed many times, everything happened the way that it should have yada 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 let's have this stately dinner where we talk about things with each other oh also very sad to inform you that everyone that used to live all of your small folk they're all burned and many of them didn't escape and also winterfell is burned like what a just the way he did i would i would have been so upset with how this was carried out well it also means that rob really doesn't have a home anymore and you know, he doesn't have a place where he can rule. If, if his home has been burnt to the ground, Winterfell, you know, which is, which is so symbolic of the Starks is no more. Then I, I almost read it as Walder Frey's way of saying that you hold no importance to me at all. And it's really why it's so important that Edmure is wed to one of his daughters because that allows him to hold, uh, River Run. Uh, as, right. as being part of his larger 
uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but but family in in a way, and you know, Winterfell is of no value to them anymore. This affected Rob, though. In the book, it says that he turned away as to not allow them to see him shed a tear. Right. You know, like this is the what I'm saying is just the just the way that this has been carried out, and just the attitude of the phrase with no regard. Um, it's just I don't know. So interesting. Well, they blame uh, Theon, too, which is another thing I want to point out. Like, Theon, I don't think he was responsible for burning Winterfell. I'm pretty sure that was the bastard of Bolton. In blaming Theon, they further cause Rob to doubt himself and feel regret. It creates some of the haste with which Rob moves. And, you know, at the end of the chapter, when Rob and Catelyn are talking, and Rob is like, I need to get back up north. Like, I need to be, we need to settle this thing with Walder. We'll go meet him in person. We'll make this thing happen. Because we need to to be done with it to, to, so that we still have a chance in this war. And then I need to go back up and see Winterfell for myself, start rebuilding. You know, whatever we need to do, I need to be north. And so this news, again, it's no coincidence that it's being delivered to them. But like the trap is set. It's just like Rob is given no time to think about whether or not this Re- Walder Frey and Toll Rosalind wedding is is anything more than what it looks like on the surface. Sure, maybe there'll be pot shots, maybe there'll be, you know, a couple more insults, but let's, you know, weather them and get up back up north because the north needs us. Like, it's very tacti- uh, tactical of uh, Lothar to be the one delivering this, especially before you know, any agreement is made about the wedding to take place. And it's the, the, the timing between battles and between the shifting of power and the terms of this needs to happen immediately and you guys have to be there not only to attend the wedding of your very favorite Lord Edmure, but also <laughs> to to say that you're sorry. It's just, it's funny because uh, we had to see the tables turn inward and I know this is Kate's favorite part of the chapter where Catelyn hmm. got to dish out some advice to Rob. She was like, we got to <laughs> do it. We got to do it, Rob. Mm-hmm. We got to go do the wedding thing. We got to do this ASAP. It's just, uh, you know, it's almost like the table has been set for them and they're just going to take their spots. She has she has good instincts about it. And because of the situation that she's been put in, which is very difficult because of the situation that Rob has sort of gotten himself into, sort of painted himself into a corner she has to ignore her better instincts and go toward the danger that she senses several times in this chapter. Um, and and she's she's just like, this is not, none of this bodes well. Mm-mm. And Walder Frey is bad, bad, bad news, but Rob has left us very, very few choices. So uh, it's, I, I think she has this like womanly intuition that, mm. that George R. R. Martin gives her and, and she has to, she has to ignore it because... People are being dumb. These problems. We've got so many different kinds of problems in this series. You know, we've got what's going on north of the wall, not to mention what just happened at, at Craster's on Christmas of all days. <laughs> <laughs> then now, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's rough. I feel bad for the situation. She says in her internal monologue, even, I have nothing to share with him but grief. Mm-hmm. And that just echoes what Kate always says about these Catalan chapters is that they're so... Yeah depressing and from start to finish um like i said earlier with um her father finally passing away and and her really just trying to come to terms with her feelings i don't know entirely how she feels about her brother you know she feels pity for him at times she feels um you know like she wants to be his older sister um you know and and kind of treat him um like he should she you know she wants to comfort him at one point and realizes uh that she can't 
Uh, and, you know, then with just everything we've talked about in this chapter, all everything bubbling to the surface of nothing, absolutely nothing going right for her or her son. And yeah. he even says it himself. He says, I've won every battle, yet somehow I'm losing the war. Yeah. And it's the, it's the beginning of the end. This, this chapter, I know we've probably said that with every Catalan chapter, but you really start to feel like things are, are falling apart. Like you're given that false sense of security, that, that hope, right? At the end of this chapter, okay, Edmure's going to marry Rosalind. Everything's going to be great and wonderful. And the phrase are back um, to being on Rob's side. But if you read kind of through this chapter, everything is, is, is not, falling in line for Rob to continue on to be this this great king in the north even Catalan mentions to him that you know there's there's nothing wrong in bending the knee like you may want to consider doing that you may want to make peace with the Lannisters and focus your attentions elsewhere I thought that was interesting advice as well yeah. I also I maybe am reading too much into this but the 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 passage here, this says battles, muttered Rob as he led her out beneath the trees. I've won every battle, yet somehow I'm losing the war. This after comes directly after a paragraph where he just he just found out he lost a battle. Like, right? They just lost the battle at Duskendale and he lost a third of his foot. But he's oh. telling himself like three paragraphs later, he's like, oh, I'm winning every battle. And yet somehow <laughs> I'm losing the war. I was like, you just found out you lost a huge battle. Like, what, like what, what is, <laughs> what's going on there? It's, it's more, it's almost like his reputation is in his own head as well as everyone else's. Right. The denial is preceding him. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like a Rob Stark characteristic. Like I wouldn't think that I would think he would be very realistic about how he's faring in battle, but he did just lose a giant battle. And he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't send him there. He was like, why did they go to Duskendale? They lost right. a third of my foot. So maybe he's like, well, I didn't tell him to go. So I'm still it's, 100% It's not my battle rate. that has been lost. Maybe yeah. it is. It's just not a proper fight. And he wasn't <laughs> right. there. And, you know, Greywin wasn't, you know, killing shit. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. When Rob was, was thinking very kingly in this chapter and he said, what I should have done is but I should have traded the Kingslayer for Sansa yes. when I first urged it. Yeah, if I'd offered to wed her to the Knight of Flowers, quote, the Tyrells might be ours instead of Joffrey's, I should have thought of that. I mean, I, I like, for one, when these characters have these woulda, shoulda, coulda moments, but it, it's an interesting uh, proposal that the Tully's, or sorry, the um, that Highgarden might be on uh, Rob Stark's side. Well, we've talked about it. We've spoken about it. It's been something like one of those when you think about re reality TV shows, like who would the best, you know, alliance be in Survivor if we put all these things together? That would be just kind of a, uh, a pick your own adventure, Westerosian yeah, yeah, tribunal. Cause... Like, oh, okay, the tra the Kingslayer for Sansa. I, I guess that's not a very even trade. But right. you know, when when it adds up to Marjorie possibly betrothing to Rob and the Tyrells being on their side, it just creates a different world. Yeah, because Highgarden isn't necessarily in bed with the Lannisters. They were right. against them because they were for Renly. But uh, yeah, so it could have gone either way. Rob's uh, light is burning out, though. Uh, this is not, I mean, the, the wood of, you know, it's too late to forge an alliance with the Tyrells. And the Kingslayer is still unaccounted for, which is which is terrifying. It terrifies Catelyn. She expects that news uh, before she ex expects any other news, but she still doesn't know kind of what where Jamie is. Even when she finds out that uh, the imp has married or been married to Sansa, she assumes it's betrayal, but she hasn't heard. You know, she she thinks that Tyrion uh, went back on his word to free Sansa, which he you know may or may not have done. But Jamie's out of the picture. 
Like he he's not he had no part of that. Can you imagine how pissed off Catelyn is right now, sitting in River Run, thinking about Tyrion marrying Sansa? She's just like that fucking imp. Seriously, she's I. She <laughs> says she says I should have put him through the moon door. I should have let my sister kill him. I don't know, but it's just like these characters don't know what they don't know. You know, they don't know that Sansa. She seems to ease up when Sansa is married because she's no longer fearing for her life. Like, they need Sansa alive for a little bit longer, at the very least. I feel like that brings, uh, that news, while it sickens Catelyn, brings her some peace. She no longer worries about Sansa's, Mm -hmm. you know, immediate well-being. Just because of the nature of rumor and how long it takes news to get anywhere, there's a lot of assumptions that float around like, well, if they got married, then that means that there's been betrayal and that I, I should have known that Jamie would get there and he wouldn't send my daughters back, curse them. Like, it's, it's just like she gets, she's all mad. Jamie hasn't gotten back to King's Landing yet. Like he's still, he's still working on it. You he's know, working he's working on it. <laughs> he's got, he's down a hand. Uh, he's in, yeah. he's in, in some trouble. Um, so like, yeah. there's, there's just no, it's like, a, just get the internet, Westeros. Just like, <laughs> follow, well, they do follow have, each other on Twitter. They do have their own form of the internet. She's even worried about some raven lying <laughs> oh, dead God. somewhere that had the message that her daughter was safe. That is right? so different yeah. from the internet, Micah. I love it's you close, pieces, though. But it is not, it is nowhere close. It's like, it's like raven, email. Come on. Can you yeah, imagine how many followers much faster? Email. Can you imagine if someone, yeah, if someone were, to, were able to eat your email? If it's like you, you send an email. Like, You're like, man, I'm hungry. Well, today. I've I waited a week for this reply. Probably somebody <laughs> shot down the email again. and ate yeah. it. No, <laughs> uh, can I ask something? Uh, I was interested in when I was reading through this chapter, though, because um, Edmure says it a couple of times, and I just maybe it's just the way he talks, but he he constantly mentions the others. Like he's like the others take the others his pride. Take the his others pride. this. The others that. Yeah. Like. I guess it's just a saying of his, but it was weird. It's like cussing. somebody saying like, fuck this, fuck that. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a, this is a curse in Westeros. Like it's one of the, the worst ways that you could, I read this somewhere recently, but like that's how you swear really badly. Like that's, that's how like the others take you is like, fuck you. Is that, that's basically mm-hmm. the, yeah. the equivalent of that is, is just like swearing super bad. Cause we know nobody is ashamed enough of fucking in Westeros Others. to sure. make that a curse word. Well, uh, I mean, they say that too, like fuck the yeah. king or whatever, but I think, I think that Edmure is, I think he's just a, a foul mouth dude. Like that's how, that's how they're saying. It's like, oh, the others take the arrow or whatever. It's just, you know, he's he's a, he's a guy who swears a lot. Yeah, Lord Edmure. But you know, a guy who doesn't swear a lot, hmm. except Felty, <laughs> Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about Davos. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, that's where I was going to go first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... Well, I I think it's really cool having these two chapters next to each other because uh, Rob is really down and out, like on his last limb like the glimmer of a plan to once again have just one decent sized bannerman with decent power is lord walder frey and we need him we have to so they're like crawling to their only uh their last hope and stannis is similarly put out like his he has a boy in captivity he has davos in captivity and there's this traitor's brother who wants to be his hand and wants to make war with this little island somewhere. And he's just like, man, I don't really have that much power and I need to get power back. I need to prove that I'm still in the fight. So they're not too dissimilar, I think. The two kings, uh, Rob in the Catelyn chapter and Stannis in the Davos chapter. I don't want to talk shit on Axel Florent, but I think that was the <laughs> dumbest idea anyone's ever come up with. I know that we'll get into it. It's fair 
to say, look, once Davos shits on it, he's just because he does it so elegantly. He's like, these are the women and children who were left behind. Your fight is not with them. It's just wrong. Okay. Why would you do that? He just wants to rule by fear. He wants to rule by fear. This is uh, one of the several methods you can rule in Westeros. Uh, and ruling, you know, just kind of making a statement is, uh, I guess, what uh, they would call it in The Godfather, right? <laughs> so I made a statement. I made a statement. They're not really in the position to make a statement. I understand that the yeah. Battle of Blackwater went in a certain direction. And I understand <laughs> that a lot of his bannermen either died or stick, stuck with him. Uh, through the fire and the flame they carried on or they um swore fealty to joffrey and remained alive but this 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 tiny island this place claw isle claw mm-hmm. isle or island whichever you prefer isle <laughs> the isle of claws I'll call it isle <laughs> you know the, if you're a real pirate <laughs> it's filled with people that are small we'll call them small folk um sorry if anyone's offended by that because the, 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 <laughs> yep. the speaking of yep. i saw the hobbit <laughs> over the weekend i'm rereading anyway. Lord of the rings right now so i'm all about small folk mm-hmm. it's just i just said that because rob was like all of our small folk it's just like rob <laughs> come on man <laughs> like these are people that you know are there they're they're hanging out in claw isle this isn't I understand that there's riches and treasures and casks of wine. I understand that the liege lord of this place did, in fact, um, you know, but uh, turn back on his vows to Stannis. Mm -hmm. So your reaction is to siege, pillage, and plunder this place out of retribution for them fleeing in the face of wildfire. It's just, it's just not Stannis Baratheon. It's not Baratheon. It's not Robert. It's not Rinley. It's not. Davos, it's it's just not what these people do, and this guy is convinced it's the best idea. And I was just surprised, like the audacity for him to take Davos to the side. I wish this would have been in the show because it just shows how rigid and unfearing, and how smart Davos is to not react to this guy's ridiculousness when he's on the top of the the bridge and they're walking him yeah, toward the, the yeah, meeting yeah. with Stannis after he's let out, and he basically is holding him over the side of the bridge, and he's like, "Listen, I'm not gonna like actually kill you if you're working <laughs> with Stannis now, if you're working with our king, but I I've been the castle in here for a while, and I can make a way." for you to fall off the side of a cliff or something. So you better go with what I... I just, long story short, Ski City, and he's in the middle of it. Ski, ski City. <laughs> he's like, I miss Lamprey and his food. You know, I don't I don't take care... I don't... I, yeah, I don't like any characters who do what they what this man did to his brother. He took the light out of the dungeon when, when Davos left. He took the lamp, the torch with him. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because they, they could have done that at any point. Melisandre threatens to do it. And yeah. Davos is like, please, 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 please leave it. And they leave it for Davos, but they don't leave it for the former hand. Like they, the, apparently Davos's crimes seemed somewhat lesser than his because like they, the light travels with him. There's some symbology there. Maybe for like the Lord of Light. I don't know. I think that um, what's interesting too about the Claw Isle stuff is. Uh, Something that I forgot what I was fucking saying in the middle of that sentence. There. God damn it. <laughs> I find it helps to swear. Oh, it was about, right. It was about Axel Florent, who's like threatening rock Davos. He's like, yeah, <laughs> Axel, Axel Rose, Rose Florent. Florent. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, Axel, Axel Rose is trying to get Davos to like sway the king in his favor. He's like, tell him that I'd be a good hand. I feel like this is such a huge 
misjudgment of character. Like, do you have you met Davos? Like, are right. you are you really gonna are you really are you really concerned that Davos is like uh-huh. more in favor of his own life versus being honest to the king that he yeah. basically was to the god? Let alone being honest to the king. Yeah, like it's like have you do you know this person at all? And I like that Ox is like. Yeah, I've, you don't say this. I'll make your life end. And Davos is like, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. You have chosen the wrong thing that I value. Like, tell, tell him, tell him, be like, if you don't, if you don't do this, that I'm going to murder Stannis. That's one thing, but like, <laughs> he would have thrown him off the bridge you? himself. No, was, not going to, yeah, it's not a big, it's not a big deal. Davos doesn't, doesn't prize his own life like that. That's so true. I also feel so true. like he, he, he may have Melisandre on his side too. So I, I, I don't know that he really, has that talking about the light no no with with everything that's going on with axel florent somewhere in the back of his mind davos may know that he's got her protection because clearly why would she even bother to keep him alive after the all of this right you know, he's been locked away in the cell for she comes to, to visit her. him in the previous chapter right for trying to kill her and yet she spares his life for whatever reason uh you know he's clearly whether he likes it or not, in some way under her protection. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like Axel Rose Florent would have any way <laughs> of trying to get to him without her being aware of it and interceding in some way. But I wanted to go back to the, you know, the point that was raised about Claw Isle and you know, he brings it up and it's just such a douche move on his part, right? You have these women and children. It's almost similar to along the lines of what the Lannister men such as the mountain would do mm-hmm. in that kind of situation and it it's just it's a really clear contrast of who stannis is as a ruler and davos uh even points it out you know he's not going to sit there and say yeah it's a great idea let's go sack this island that has basically no defenses at all we're gonna you know march our what 1500 men that are here on dragonstone yeah. out to to basically do nothing and it's not going to give us what we need it's not going to solve our problem right now and lord celtigar basically he did what w- was in his own best interest he he wants to sit in his home and drink his wine and forget about all this you know he's an old man and and his bannermen did what bannermen do you know they they obeyed their leader i think there's a key difference in what the lannisters do or like general raping and pillaging and what axel rose florent is, is no uh, there may be is, but, but, but in that no in that the, there's such richness in claw isle that it would help with the war effort like that's the whole thing is they're gonna get uh all of these rubies and things that lord keltigar has been hiding away and that that will somehow not only will it ma- you know make a statement to Lord Keltigar, who's hiding, you know, over in Key's Landing. But it will uh, enrich, you know, it will give Salador San some, uh, as they say, plunder that might, you know, enough to maybe keep him a little bit more loyal to Stannis. Like, there are some, there is some value in Axel's uh, suggestion. There is value, but I think it was best stated, you know, there's a strong comparison that's made um when Stannis says it's every man's duty to remain loyal to his rightful king, even if the Lord he serves proves false. Right. And Davos responds by saying, as you <laughs> remain loyal to King Aerys, when your brother raised his banner. So Most good. badass. Ballin'. It was such a good, and Davos was like, uh-oh, I'm losing this battle. And then he Nobody. pulls out that he drops the nuke. And Stannis is like, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
There's going to be radiation for a like, thousand years around the painted table. <laughs> he goes, for that, I'm. you're going to be, you're hand of the <laughs> king, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> boom, there you go. He's like, he's like I n- th- never thought about it that way. What a great point. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I did that. I totally did. And I think that, it's again, it's why Davos is such a great person to have by your side is because he's unflinchingly honest. He's got mm-hmm. Stannis' best interests at heart and he's going to fight for this man until the death, but he's also not going to blow smoke up his ass like Axl Rose Florent is going to. Oh. Like, oh, yeah. all, all he wants, all Axl Rose wants is to like party cause and do trouble. Drugs. Yeah. Rock and kill roll children. Night. Party every day. Sex drugs. Yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. But, um, no, well, Stannis is like this giant walnut with this hard shell <laughs> and Stannis is, just cracks him. Cracks him right open with this statement about his brother. Yeah. He gets Stannis to open up so much that Stannis is talking about envying his brothers about Robert, uh, turning enemies into friends, mm-hmm. something that Stannis could never ever do. Right. Oh no. He's just like all this huge backstory and it's so glorious to hear Stannis talking about this and he's confiding in, in, in Davos when he's talking about this, but. It's amazing. It's like, oh, Stannis does have a soul. And and Davos totally brings it out of him in this chapter. Yeah, Stannis is likable for the first time in a long time. And I think it yeah. it might be partially because Melisandre is not physically in the room with him. Like she's Yet. she's not she's not there. She's her presence is there, of course. And she's and he tells Davos that like Melisandre is the one who told me to summon you, actually. Yeah. And and so Melisandre has like become, <laughs> yeah. She's you guys should just kiss and make up. Um, he's he's become um, it's like you're... someone that Melisandre's defending. Like they, she's she's Davos's ally because I think she knows. Like they're they're at odds because they they both want the same thing from two different approaches. Um, she's still like evil as hell because she's still at the end of this. She's like, just give me the kid, just let me kill the kid. And Stannis is like, no, I don't think you should kill the kid. She's like, oh, I think I should kill the kid. He's got a lot of really, really <laughs> good blood in there. His blood's good. Oh, his blood is so good. Really his good blood. blood. And really Stannis is blood. like, he's like, no, Man. it's really weird that you want this kid's blood. She's like, fine. Uh, speaking of humanizing Stannis a bit, though, too, he actually says that this kid is friends with Shireen. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. My daughter like, likes him. My yeah. daughter plays with this boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patchface is and, enough fool for this place. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's... He name drops Patchface. I'm so Team Stannis right now. Yeah, Stannis the Manus. I, I mean, he. I get that the he's Manus with the planets. With the planets. <laughs> <laughs> They're still working on the planets. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I mean, he's he's in he's in rough shape, and Melisandre uh, even comes off as less of a as a crazy person in this chapter. Um, masterful writing from George to just yeah. twist and turn. Oh yeah, uh, these these people when they don't have that much book space, it's not like we're reading chapter after chapter and learning new things about these people. It's literally just the way that our point of view character is put into a discussion with these people that can affect how it appears to us and aff- affect how we how we feel about it. And I, I love that. And right. I think that that's like Stan is talking about Robert. You it was beautiful. Him him saying. We had these, I forget the exact quote, but essentially the the long and short of it was there were people that weren't necessarily on their side to fight in the rebellion and that I guess would have almost fought against them. But after hanging out with Robert, not only did they join them, but they were like really on their side. Like they, they were, they basically did a 180 flip and ended up giving their lives and time 
and uh, lands and power, yada yada, to help this rebellion out. And and it just speaks well of of what Stannis would love to be able to do. And we got to learn so much more about why he wants the throne. And he he says it's it's not that I want it just because I want it and that's cool, but it's mine. You know, like Robert uh, and his rebellion was successful. There are now some some people in King's Landing that are up to trouble and doing nothing but self indulgence and doing nothing mm-hmm. but making things good for them and not the realm. And damn it, I know that I'm not a bad guy. These were the people like that. My big brother was the king. I'm next. This is bullshit. And I, it's just <laughs> you know what I mean. Like he's got, yeah, he's so right. And he's doing everything that he can, everything that he thinks he can to move forward. And I just wish that he had better people surrounding him, you know, like if yeah. he had more of the people like, like uh, a Tyrion Lannister or um, even someone like Jorah that was just, uh, that was bold and had, had some decent counsel apart from Davos, because I feel like Davos is, is, can only help so much because at the end of the day, he submits to Stannis' will. Uh, rather than giving him maybe the the strongest points of advice that he could so far, yeah. so far. The, the quote or part of the quote that you're talking about, he says, I am king. Wants do not enter it. I have a duty to my daughter. Mm-hmm. There, he mentions his daughter again. To the realm, even to Robert. He loved me, but little I know, yet he was my brother. And then he goes on to talk about how Robert was corrupted uh, by the Lannisters and how he wants to basically – Take some uh, Clorox bleach out and yes, scour mm-hmm. the court mm-hmm. uh, that currently exists there. He mentions Varys specifically. Yep. Um, he mentions Jamie Lannister, and you know you, you get such a a painting of of what took place, um, at least in his mind, as you know his brother took the throne and was surrounding himself with these people that you know ultimately were his own undoing. And Ned's, for that matter. What he's saying here is that I understand Robert took over, but when he did, it was business as usual. The same people that were there for the Targaryens were there for Robert, and Robert was able to be less of a king and less of a leader that he was in this rebellion in the first place to get to this point. And he became the slovenly, um, wenching, drinking party animal that he is. And that wasn't to the dismay of anyone else in power because... Why would they want some guy to step in and take care of business? And that's what Stannis wants to do. Stannis is like, all right, well, I am, am this is, it's, we're through with it. And that's yeah. the future he would like to see for Westeros. So it's interesting. I like it. Yeah. And, and an interesting bit there, uh, he mentions that Sir Barristan told him that the rot in King Eris's reign began with Varys mm-hmm. and that the eunuch should never have been pardoned. Uh, so, we know that Sir Barristan now is off with Daenerys, another Targaryen, and I want to know what is what do you think that means? Mm. You know, that the rot. Like, what was he doing? What was what was he up to that um, he caused such problems for King Eris? Just on the surface level, taking so much of the the governing tasks away from the leader has has given the leader the opportunity to become complacent and to kind of be distracted by other things. While, you know, kind of like the Bush Cheney situation, you know, like, ah, you know, like Cheney, Cheney, Cheney. And Bush is just like, I'm playing golf, you know, that's a it's kind of a a rude uh, contextual uh, comparing the two. But at the same time, I think that when you take away what Robert had in his case or possibly even in the Targaryen's case, you know, the way that they led their country, 
for so long and it becomes muddled with with inner politics and favors and secrets that eventually you lose the 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 grandeur and you lose the the arduousness that became or that is what it takes to lead this place to lead all seven kingdoms you know it becomes more about politics and lobbyists and i don't know money yeah and at the end of this too stannis condemns three people to death is that what he does i don't think it's clear is that what he does? Absolutely. 100% is what he does. Yeah. Are you, he are you being leeches. facetious? He throws three leeches in the fire. What is what is that? What is that shit? That's not explained in this chapter. Come on. Well, he's not wishing them luck. What do you, <laughs> really? what do you think he's doing? He's, he's taking the I think blood. He's, I think he's playing around with fire. I think he's playing around. He's playing with stuff he doesn't know. And Melisandre may only have a little bit of an inkling of. Oh, well, I think she has way more than an inkling of what's going right. on. Really? Because every question I, every time I talk about Melisandre, you're like, she might not be the wizardress you think that she is, uh, or the sorceress. So I don't I know. Don't, I don't think that she necessarily has the all of the powers she makes herself else to have, but I think that's even evidenced in the fact that. You know, she she says in this chapter, like she doesn't always see everything mm-hmm. at that specific time like that, that doesn't mean it wasn't in the fire it's just like no, that's it how takes she time to materialize to yeah. become clearer to her she's not she's not all-knowing she's not a god herself or a no goddess in no this but case. could you say we know that rob is going to die could you say that that's because that uh stannis baratheon threw one of the leeches that's into the, the beauty fire? of it we don't know yeah. we don't yeah, know, we don't know. But he two of the people that he names in this ritual are dead as we as show watchers know so like there's something that's going on here whether it's coincidence or not he wishes them dead and then they die like i wanted to point out that in the book so far it's not clear why he did that because it's not specifically stated what purpose they would have for for the boy either edric storm they argue about it and we know it's not good but i don't know the leech is well it's clear that melisandre wants to burn him yeah completely instead of these leeches They've leached his 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 body, maybe under the pretense of the fact that he's ill. So right. you know, one of the reasons that we're given many times in this uh, this series of why when people are sick they tend to leech them, yeah. like mm-hmm. Bruce Bolton uh, and and others. So Bruce Bolton just yeah. likes the leeches. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's a little weird like that. But everybody has their thing, so yeah. let's not <laughs> yeah. judge. Yeah, no, let's not judge. We're not going to judge cultures we don't understand. He's a he's a leech lover. So, <laughs> uh, leech lord. To each their own. And uh, I think that it, it's able to be inferred here that, you know, he's he's taking he's clearly taking the blood or she's taking the blood of somebody who has royalty that that runs through their veins and, and that of King Robert. And they're then taking that and, and putting it in these, you know, the leeches are sucking the blood out and they're taking these leeches and they're throwing them onto this fire and as they're doing so Stannis is saying these names and he's referring to them as usurpers people who should not have control of the iron throne or have rights to claim themselves as kings right and we know yeah we don't we don't have the foresight at this point like there's no way for us to know what's going to happen but it seems very ritualistic in nature that yeah. he is burning these leeches that He's naming after people who we know are, are Joffrey is sitting the Iron Throne. Balin has made his own claim as King of the Iron Isles, and Rob has made his claim as King of the North well before this point. Mm-hmm. So 
we don't know what this all means. That's true, Eric. He's wishing but I think them ill. It's clear. Yeah. yeah. He's he's this is this is some kind of blood magic that's yeah. going on here. Blood. Yeah, and whether whether it's death or not, I, I, you're right, is not super clear. But they are. It, Stannis doesn't balk at killing people, and and especially right. Lore demands it. So, right. I I think that that's clear. It's clear to me that this is like he wants he wants something bad to befall them, and he's hoping that the Lord of Light will help, will help them with that. Yeah. And then something bad does befall them. And of course, we see the machinations <laughs> from every different aspect. We know that it's not some divine hand that comes and strikes down these men. However, like mm. uh, the fact that so many people, and maybe it's just because they're kings and everybody wants them dead because there's too many of them. Um, so maybe it's just a, a happy coincidence. And Melisandre's basically playing, playing odds at this point. She's like, there's probably people coming after these guys. So I can make this look pretty good. If I mm-hmm. just pretend that this was my blood ritual again, Melisandre, like she's, she's smarter. She's smarter than she appears. She is. Yeah. And so like, it's, it's possible that she's like, eh, they, they're probably going to die. Like the no, you, you can't leave these Kings alive. So go ahead, right. wish for their death. Um, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that like we've seen some of what Lord of Light can do and it seems kind of supernatural yep. and like, what are, what are his powers? And the others are very real. And, and so, yeah. you know, it's, there's something there. To counter that, though, I would say that the plans to kill Rob Stark have long been in the works. It's not like Stannis throws a leech on the fire and then Rob Stark dies. You know, it, these are plans that have been put in motion by Tywin Lannister, by Roose Bolton, by Walder Frey. It's not because of a leech that this all happens. You know, it, it's uh, so I think, you know, to your point, like Melisandre. She can take credit for it happening, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is the plans have been in motion, and you can argue the same thing for Joffrey. It just needs to be believable enough for Stannis to continue believing in the Lord of Light, because that's like his path currently. Um, it's possible that, I mean, King's blood, blood from uh, Robert is not special at all because he's just the king He's the usurper himself. Like he took the throne from the Targaryens who had it for centuries. Mm. Um, Maybe they're the true kings. Maybe Melisandre, what she really needs is uh, Targaryen blood to really work her magic. Maybe she's just pretending right now because she has nothing better to do. Mm. Maybe. All of this mystery and suspense. So much but, uh, mystery. Balon, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, though, it seemed weird in this show. It seems less weird to me now that I'm reading the book, um, because the Ironborn do have a, apparently have a significant hold in the North. But I'm wondering why Balon Greyjoy is the third man on the list. Like, like that's really, Stannis, that's your three main enemies? Like, wouldn't you go to say Tywin Lannister, whoever's going to succeed, like Tom and Lannister first before. These are the other people who have declared themselves Kings. Yeah. It's, that's, that's what, that's it. his, his just... only. Yeah. They're like these are, these are the men who say that they're King and he's like, no, I'm the King. So it's not, he's not, he's not interested in the, the politics of Tywin Lannister. He's interested yeah. in other men who have claimed what he knows is his and he, uh, you know, whether he okay. wants it or not. Those are, that's why he calls them the usurpers. So the, these okay, are the yeah, other kings. Because Arya's got her, you know, her chant before she goes to bed. And I'm like, there's people you want dead. But of those three, it's like, yeah, the only thing they have in common is that they have each claimed to be king. Well, it's called the War of the Five Kings, right? And well, one of it's called by dead. who? Like re- re- readers of the Renly. book? Uh, Renly's dead. And these are the three that remain. These are, like Kate said, these are the three that have declared themselves right. as kings. Okay. So 
that's what he is going after. Sucks to be Balin Greyjoy. He's using a king's blood to kill the fake ones. I mean, I, I know as uh, as they get closer to the actual deaths of Joffrey and of uh, Rob, uh, I must. I, I'd love to see more insight into how Balin feels about his claim to the uh, the Iron Well, he throne. may not feel anything. <laughs> so, yeah, but we'll get there. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's the that's the mystery. That's the part. That's I would left just out. assume that. If he's on the list, he's he's probably well, about to become extinct. <laughs> oh my god! You and your words. He's uh, yeah. Okay, so we have all of these fake kings. We have we have people that fashion themselves kings, but we only have one prince that is promised. Just one. Only one. Only one. And and can I can I hazard to say that this the situation of Stannis peering into the flames and seeing the ash rise as snow. Yeah. And seeing the dark parts of the charred wood become a hillside and see that hill with men and to see the future in the rock or in the fire. I thought that was just, I, I loved it. It was so much more uh, of exhilaration than I got from the show because it was just kind of like uh, quasi sexual, like <laughs> Melisandre standing over his back and she's like, do you see the fire? And he's like, Oh yeah, I see the fire. He was really, high. <laughs> and <laughs> I see the fire. Uh, and, and that was great. So that that that's my own. This whole situation, I thought we we. I guess I don't know who it goes to. Maybe maybe George. But we see and and learn more about what they see in the flames, and yeah. whether or not Axel Florent was bullshitting about seeing his own future standing beside the king as the hand, which it seems now after the amazing appointment in the middle of the chapter, it was like Elrond pulling out Andriel for Aragorn in the, in the Lord of the Rings like movies. It was just like, ah, like it's time for you to step forward and do what you were supposed to do. He pulls out Lightbringer and, and, and lords him up to uh, a new job that he gets to do for free. I just, I loved it. More information on seeing the future in the fire and more things for Davos to do. Stannis is the manis right now, and mm-hmm. I respect him more than most of the other characters in the series. So knowing what we know from the show that, you know, they, they rode into the north and they, they went to Bravos and they were able to grab some cash and grab some soldiers. I'm just excited because it's I know it's gonna be a long road in the books, but hopefully uh it won't be that long for season five. It's it's funny because that's her line, right? Where she doesn't say it in the book, but she says it in the show where she says this war of five kings means nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when you get the real sense that Stannis is going to head north. Mm-hmm. And you get, as to your point, obviously, um, with the vision that he sees in the fire, he's starting to really understand that um, there's more oppressing matters than what's going on here with Joffrey and Balin and, and Rob, that the real war uh, lies to the north. And mm-hmm. it's exciting. I feel like I would want to yeah, be on his side. If, it if, is. if I were living in Westeros and this was all real and it was happening, I would be like, this dude's actually technically the king. Mm. And he is the only guy who wants to fight the White Walkers. So we should probably help him out right now. But he doesn't want to do it without Davos at his side. Oh, right. And oh, my bad. He's not the coolest guy right now. Okay. Well, he could be cool. All right. Maybe if we all supported him a little bit, Stannis could get a little bit more confident, and maybe he'd crack a few jokes at dinner next week, you know? I don't know. That might be hoping too much. <laughs> I think with Davos uh, by his side, Stannis is uh, resurrected, and uh, he's he's got some good things going for him. It was really oh, yeah. cool what he did for Davos and uh, piss all over uh, Axel Florent and his plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Davos doesn't want it. That's that's yeah. Oh yeah, thing. totally not. He's just like you can't do he this. Doesn't, he doesn't that's think why himself he's the worthy. Right choice. 
Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, he's like, I haven't seen anything in the fire, but I have been shitting in a bucket for seven weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and Stannis is like, after all of this, you're still okay. Fine, you deserve it, pal. And he's going to learn to uh, read, but not write. Apparently, uh, uh, yeah. There's keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, we know how important it is for him to learn to read, though. We do, we do. Yeah, I love how that develops in the show. Even got uh, my own of the season, I believe. Oh season, yeah, uh, own for literacy. Uh, three was it? Uh, but uh, anyway, the speaking of keyboards, people sent us their owns for via keyboards. I assume. How Are about we, ours? Yeah, first? why don't we do our owns? Well, let's. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so why don't Zach you give us, gave us yours? His Davos. What are I we doing? Are we doing one own to rule them all? That's all we need this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right, owns. Okay, so back to the Catelyn chapter. My own for the Catelyn chapter goes to young Rollum and Sir Reynold. Uh, actually, particularly Weak. no, <laughs> no, Sir Reynold is uh, is Rob's uh, standard bearer, and uh, Catelyn just in passing. Sees a little bit of uh, Theon and Jon Snow in him. She says that the uh, these these boys that Rob has as his squire and his standard bearer are standing in the boots of those that he's lost, and uh, Rob has had to make do with these people that he's got, and uh, these are the people that he's got. And so, for resembling Theon, a character who I miss, uh, Owen goes to <laughs> Reynold. I respect that. Just realized I did my own out of order. You think we'll be okay? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. My own goes to Sir Brendan the Blackfish for gracefully relieving Edmure of his embarrassment and being a, a bastion of comfort for Catelyn when mm. Edmure oh. runs away. A bastion mm. of comfort. That's good on. Thanks. I like that. I don't even have one. I, I know I, I, I made fun of wow. Eric for, uh, <laughs> for, the, for his, but uh, I can't do that if I don't have one myself. Well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to the lame Lothar. That would be lame, though, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't be lame. It's kind of. Oh, do the two lames cancel each other out? They do. Okay. I'll, I'll give it to uh, to Edmure for manning up and, and doing what, what was best, taking one for the family. Yeah. And for always saying the others take you all. <laughs> I, love. I will have to give my own to the decoration of, of the late Lord Hoster. I thought that it was just fitting. Um, to see him sail away on his little tiny barge of tender and flint parchment and the gloves that made him appear that he wasn't broken. And I don't know. I just feel like that's that's more respectful of, a, of an exit we've seen lots of people have so far in this series. And, that's true. Uh, I couldn't ask for much more than that myself. Yeah, so, you're not bleeding out in a gutter somewhere. You're yeah. about to go and sink to the bottom of the river and be with uh, be with Tansy, your pet fish from when you were a child. <laughs> it, made, it made me think of, <laughs> of his long life and all that he accomplished and saw and was uh, a part of. So for your place in the history of Westeros and all that is here, you receive my own, our good friend. Lord Hoster. For Davos? Davos. Uh, I'll say mine. Uh, own goes to Axel Rose Florin for taking the torch <laughs> away uh, from his brother. Well played, sir. Now your brother won't be able to judge the passage of time as well. Also, he yep. will go crazy. Mm-hmm. Or mad. Mine has to go to Davos. Uh, just for his exchange that I mentioned earlier on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he, he just completely owns status yeah. with yep. the King Eris line. Yeah. 
and just his unwavering loyalty. Um, you know, there's also a moment sh- not too long after that um, where Stannis responds and says, I can shorten your tongue as easy as mm-hmm. I do your fingers. <laughs> and he's like, I'm your man, your grace, so it is your tongue to do with as you please. Yeah, that's a good response. And not to get ahead of ourselves, Micah, uh, your own here, I think, will be in the running one day for own of the series. I think that was pretty damn good from from Davos. It's, it's definitely up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, just for him to say that, it just shows you He's Davos. I mean, he's just, that's why people love him. Well, we know how he feels about Santa. So for him to talk back like that and be so, it's just like, whoa. Yeah, he he gambles and won. Yeah. Who has yet to go? Uh, I will give my own to Melisandre, actually. Mm. She's a crazy, crazy bitch. <laughs> but, but there's this line that Stana says, it was Melisandre who urged me to meet with him, meaning um, Renly. And give him one last chance to amend his treason. And it was Melisandre who told me to send for you when Sir Axel wished to give you to Relore. So she saved Davos's life. Like if the Hand of the King had been able to influence Stannis' decision, Davos would have been eaten fire. And Melisandre's like, nope, we're going to save him. We're not going to give him. Even though Davos conspires still to this day to murder me. <laughs> We're not going to kill him. We're not going to give him to Relora. He's still important. So thanks, Melisandre, because Davos is one of my favorite characters. Nicely thanks, done. Thanks, Melisandre. Thank you, Melisandre. I like your rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Well, now that you've heard our owns, uh, whichever order that you, you listen to them in, uh, I think it's time now for us to go to those of you who decided that over the holidays, why not go ahead and keep listening to Game of Owns, ignore our family, and read and write and owns for their other episode that's coming up very soon. And uh, right, they did. Yeah, first we have uh, over from Twitter, uh, Doug Stevens tweeted in uh, after we asked for owns for these chapters. He said, easy. Blackfish owns both Edmure and Hoster. Stannis owns the leeches. That's a succinct tweet. I like that. Right? I know. It's yeah. like, okay, sorry for not presenting you a challenge in coming <laughs> up with owns for these chapters. We'll have to do better next time, Doug Stevens. Thank you, Doug. Roshni Bambwani at Arya Granger on Twitter says, Own for Davos goes to the shadows of Davos Axel and the guards for marching beside them on the walls. Ooh. Own for Catelyn goes to Edmure for really, truly being upset about his dad's death. He's not such a prick after all. <laughs> <laughs> Susan okay. Stacy writes on Twitter. She says, ASOS, Davos 4, Chapter 36. Now, nice. that's also a good tweet. Stannis owns those leeches, Joffrey, Balon Greyjoy, and Rob Stark. She also says, ASOS Catelyn Chapter 4, Chapter 35. The Blackfish owns that arrow and his brother's funeral pyre. Mm-hmm. I agree. And can I just say, what a crack shot. Because three three misses, and all of that time, it was almost out of sight. And then the Blackfish steps up. He knows what he's know, doing. Damn the wind. It doesn't he even also matter. didn't drink as much as Edmure did. That's true. That might, Ooh. Yeah, might be it. Uh, but he does he does mention to Catelyn, I don't think he got a chance to say this to Edmure, but that Hostertelli, in fact, missed mm-hmm. his first try. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, when, Cat- when their Catelyn's father like, passed yeah, away. once. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he he Way to bring it down. She always brings down the mood, Kate, doesn't she? <laughs> she, goes, uh, he she? He only missed once. I'm afraid that Edmure's growing soft. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sorry that he didn't hit the 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 raft floating with a body all the way down the river with an arrow yeah. off of a bow. It also shows probably why he lost his last battle. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, got some owns over on Facebook um, from our good uh, council member, fellow council member, right? Mm. Small council member. Yeah. Uh, Kim Gabrielson, who says, uh, first own goes to Walder Rivers for the comment regarding lengthy betrothals. 
Uh, Rob mm-hmm. definitely had that one coming, and it was a nice way of having the wedding, their revenge, sooner rather than later. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Davos gets the second own for managing to corner Stannis with his own principles. No easy task. And, of course, the quote, as you remain loyal to King Eris when your brother raised his banners. Nice. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Kim. Happy New Year, Kim. Kim. Yeah, and Happy New Year to all of you listening. If we forget to say it later. Well, the next one comes from Jeff Lightfoot. Yay, Professor said, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, how's your Jeff. Christmas? Jeff. Prof. Jeff says, Catelyn, own to the Blackfish. He deserves an own for every chapter he's in, but especially for hitting the shot as it disappears into the fog. Davos owned to Davos for the one line, quote, as you remain loyal to King Eris mm-hmm. when your brother raised his banners. Wow, I never thought about Stannis's hypocrisy until that one line. Jeff, you and me both. Jeff says, just shows how much of a better man Davos is than Stannis. His loyalty never wavers. Quote, I am your man, your grace, so it is your tongue to do with as you please. Mm-hmm. It's really oh. dirty. Yeah. These are good owns. Yeah, I like it. I was. I'm. I'm gonna write some slash fiction later. In addition to Facebook, we also got some emails. You can uh, reach out to us. Contact at gameofbones dot com. Uh, heard from Andrew Robillard, um, which I don't think we've heard from him in a while. So it's good to hear from him. He's been His name sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, he says, "Hey, I have a long way to catch up on the podcast since I've been trying to read the prequel, Ooh. The World of Ice and Fire. It isn't as intense as oh man, I'm going to fuck Silmarillion. this up. The Sil- <laughs> say that for me to Lord of the Rings fans, but it is d- definitely massive. <laughs> just, put, just put Zach in there. <laughs> it could be my age, but I'm about halfway and feel like I've read the first three books." Of the Song of Ice and Fire, but the backstory is worth the trudge. Um, so I'm, a, a lot of people actually got that for uh, the holidays, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm sure they're going through it. There's a lot of cool backstory uh, going on in there. I want and it. So uh, be interesting to see uh, what, what little nuggets of information uh, pop up out of that. I know I'm sure there are plenty of people kind of scouring through those pages and then looking for any bits of information they can get to uh, – validate theories and other things so there's a code in there you can crack that will tell the <laughs> world's release date of the winds of winter look closely don't tempt them All right. Frodo. are we anxious excited um andrew goes on to ask or scared of the approaching fifth season of game of thrones though i am sullied i've been trying to get my head around the changes with the hbo version and it isn't easy i've already seen Maisie williams dancing around bravos uh now we get to diverge from the books into new territory Yikes. Um, best of luck in the new year. I'll keep listening to the witty banter, hysterical laughter, and perhaps share electronically a true Northern drink. Thank you. So I think we've talked about that a lot um, on the show, at least in the last few weeks. I feel like we've brought it up um, about this fifth season and how it's going to uh, differ a lot for book readers uh, in particular uh, because it's going to be new territory, mm-hmm. as uh, Andrew mentioned. So. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Who let the dogs out? <laughs> uh, that's a zinger. I, I mean, now that it's turning over into 2015, we we're officially saying bye to the holidays. Um, it's just becoming ever more real that the fifth season is approaching. And to answer your question, Andy, Andrew, my friend, um, I, I'm excited. I know that I'm not sullied like so many of you that are listening. So it might be kind of strange for me to say that because it's always the same thing for me when our new season approaches. But knowing that there is so much difference, it's just, it creates more 
interestingness. It creates more problems, and and the more problems we have, the more conversation, and it's just it's just it's going to be a fun experience no matter what. So I'm really looking forward to it. This next email comes to us from Mary Mendonca, who says, "Thank you all for the gift of a new podcast. Hope you have a very good day." And a happy new year. You too, Mary. Thank you, Mary. I was, how'd that email yeah. get in there? <laughs> Here, Mary, have a, have a good, have a new episode, an even newer episode. <laughs> we also received an email from Max Grozowski. Cool name, Max. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Or Sky. He says, hey, Goo, big fan of the show. I just read this article in the Times, and I thought you absolutely needed to see this. So basically, there's been a long-standing tradition in the UAE, which is the United Arab Emirates, I believe, of putting small children on camels when and racing them at high speeds. Okay, hold on, let me try this again. Uh, the sentence is, I'm sure he typed this in a flurry of excitement, so you're forgiven. Of putting small children on camels when you're racing them at high speeds to direct the camels. Okay, I get it. But since that became outlawed, of course, camel owners are now racing camels ridden by remote-controlled robots that relay commands to them and whip them. It's amazing, he says. Oh. Anyway, so here's an article to it. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, it, it is real. And it is amazing. And how come we do not have a dog in this fight, my three friends? He goes on to say, anyway, love your show and hope you keep up the good work, Max. Thanks, wow. Max. Yeah, thanks. That's quite a known uh, right there. We don't endorse whipping of camels on this show. but We do not. Uh, but building robots is pretty cool. Yes. Uh, just another uh, fun email that we received. So uh, it's always good <laughs> to life. see what people pay attention to. It's like immediately they see an article when they're reading uh, the Times and they think of our show. Like, I mean, that's – yeah. That's pretty funny to me. Yeah, and we certainly appreciate it. It's fun that when your when your sigil is is uh you know something like I'm looking at the photograph and there's literally a, a tiny robot sitting on top of our <laughs> of our spirit animal. So uh, thank you for this. This is going to be laughter for days. So uh, those are the main ways that you can get in touch with us: uh, Twitter, Facebook, and email. The first two are just Game of Bones, and our email is contact of Game of Bones. I fucked that. <laughs> <laughs> and our email is contact at gameofowns.com. Uh, um, another way that you can get in touch with our show, and nobody has done it since December the 7th, at least here in the United States, is uh, by leaving us a rate and review on iTunes. Uh, it is the month of December. It is the year 2014. Uh, nothing less than five stars is acceptable on iTunes. Uh, you will notice this when you go in and try to leave a rate review. That's just something with the system. We don't know what it is, but it just happens when you go to our show that uh, you can only rate it five stars. Given that we are headed into the new year and that Game of Thrones season five is not that far off, there's going to be a lot of people, I have a feeling, who are looking to get back into the the swing of things and looking for some Game of Thrones content, and that's where we come in. So um, by rating and reviewing the show, it gives other people um, the chance to know what's out there when they go into their iTunes and they uh, search for Game of Thrones. We pop up and we appreciate it. Can I read a really confusing iTunes review? Absolutely. Yeah, please. This is from October 7th, and it's by uh, someone named Angeline Irene. Angeline Irene says, hey, guys, this is... At Lucky Gyro from Twitter. Mm. Your show is a great way to pass the half-decade waits between the books. I've tried many Thrones podcasts, and this one is by far one of the best. Keep up the great work. Two stars. (laughs) That's messed up. Clearly somebody did not, you know, maybe this person has like inverse dyslexia where a two looks like a five. But I was like, I was like, oh, that's that's such a nice review. And I was scanning through. I was like, oh, no, a two-star review. Did I do it? 
Is it my phone? <laughs> it was, it, I, I, that sounds like something George would write, honestly. No, I think iTunes is broke. People do it a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, I think most people do, um, you know, rate us fairly, but I think other people <laughs> just do five. it. Fairly at Taxi five stars, driver. but I feel like other people just do it. You know, the reason we say that too, though, is that people, when they search us, they actually will find us, um, you know, that we come up first and foremost. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why we ask that you do that. And, you know, we've had, we've heard from people who have said, you know, that they've read the iTunes reviews they and they've listened to what other people have to say there and they've jumped on board and started listening to the show. So, you know, we definitely appreciate when you guys do go there and, and leave your feedback. Maybe if we keep up keeping up the good work, then Angelina Irene will leave another review. Yeah, that you know, says, you can like, edit your, stars, your iTunes review so that you can four update stars. It. Yeah, as long as we keep keeping up the good work. Like Taxi Diver did. <laughs> Angelina <laughs> Irene, yes. Please. It's a free fucking show. <laughs> thank you. That iTunes is broken because that was a very nice review. And thank you yeah. for that review as well. Either way, no matter... How many stars you gave us, even though we were told by iTunes specifically that we can only receive five. So must have just been a fluke. <laughs> must have been. But this is exciting, man. We're we're this is I think our last episode of twenty fourteen. You, you think? <laughs> I don't know. Shit could happen. We could get a trailer tomorrow for <laughs> mm, I just it's uh it's kind of a scary thought that 2014 is coming to a close, but also this this is officially once we get done recording this here in a few minutes. The last episode of Game of Thrones in 2014. The rest of it is in a completely new year, and the future is ahead of us, my friends and listener friends, too. It's crazy. We're going to get Game of Thrones season five. I would think within, you know, at least two weeks, the later part of January. Yeah, we're, we're going to start to see some stuff that is official as opposed to uh, other things that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll get another few direct messages um, from the three eye raven. <laughs> and, uh, Hopefully, we get a release date for The Winds of Winter. You know, looking ahead till 2015, that's something that I think a lot of Game of Thrones fans are anticipating. It's been long enough. I'm not one of those people that's going to jump on his case and say he needs to write faster. I, I think that, you know, it's, it's his, you know, it's his work and he should take the time that he needs to write it. I know there are those frustrated by it, but, um, I think it's, it's fair to hope that we get a release date at some point in 2015. I hope so. I'm excited for 2015. I've said it many a time before, but I'm super excited for the new year and for season five of Game of Thrones. That's what the show's called, Eric. I always I always say owns by accident. You know this. Yeah. Everybody, we all do this. It's the curse of You the... do it intentionally. It's 100% intentional. No, it's absolutely not. But oh, uh, I do it too. I think this has been our first year that we've, we've continued through the holiday season without a break, and it's been a lot of fun. So thanks again for... It's been our first year with Kate too. Yeah, yeah. it's been Yay. wonderful. Thanks, Kate, for mm-hmm. coming on board. Yeah, You're she's, welcome. She's a, she's a beacon of light in my life, Kate. Aww. Stay with us Aww. for the new year, Kate. You are. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. And uh, again, to all of our listeners, we just remembered it. Have a happy freaking New Year. Make yeah. sure that it's a blast. Enjoy. If you don't have anyone to kiss at midnight, find someone. you got a few days. It'll be fun. Yeah. Figure it out. Kiss Stannis. Stannis Manis is looking for a kiss, I think. He'll be kissed by fire. Spoiler. No, that's just Melisandre's kiss. <laughs> 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 Eric's like...